Hello and welcome to episode 54 of Hearty Dice Friends, the low energy episode. My name's something, and this is another man. Yo. There's very little difference between us. And we're going to talk, he has a slightly deeper voice, I talk more. And we're going to have a uh, podcast about games of some kind. What do you think, Chris? If you want. Sounds good. So our first question comes in. Uh, from me, and it's why. I will counter that with a second question. Mm-hmm. I've forgotten. That's not a question, is it? No, I've forgotten the question. Okay, well. <coughs> thank you for listening to episode 54 of How You Dice Friends. We're very tired and have been your hosts. <laughs> Hello and welcome Hello. to episode 54 of Hearty Dice Friends. Oh, hi, I'm positively brimming with excitement oh, at the prospect. I love this. I'm, I'm going to dive in both feet first to this episode and splosh down on all the advice. Oh, My so name's Grammary. Grammary? Grammary Hamiltowit. My wife and I have taken the same name. <laughs> You're Combined both Grammary Hamiltowit. That's us. We are Legion. (laughs) (sighs) Okay, somewhere between those two? Yeah, maybe just reel one in and amp another up. Alright, okay. Hello and welcome to episode 54 of Hardy Dice Friends. My name's Grant Howitt, this is Chris Taylor, and I went to a farm yesterday. He did. A special farm for playing with goats. I did! I went to Vauxhall City Farm. This is un- this is actually this is related to game design. So I'm mentoring at the London College of Communication, uh, and they have a game design branch there, and I signed myself up to be a mentor to some poor 25-year-old who's doing an MA despite a complete lack of any sort of actual qualifications. And the one, the one, the lad who was I assigned, the lad who I was assigned to, uh, is has, has decided to make a game for Vauxhall City Farm, where he works as a volunteer. And so we and a bunch of his mates went there yesterday to do a bit of a brainstorming session, and I got to hang out with a goat who had one horn, I fed a pig, I fed a sheep, <laughs> I fed a sheep and scratched his, scratched his horns, and they were warm horns. Do you know that? I did not that know cool. that. They were warmer towards the base, where they're connected to the sheep. Uh, I hung out with some chickens. I held a rabbit. It's, it's called like a lion maned rabbit. I want you to imagine. Take a rabbit, right? Yep, got it. Put put it through a tumble dryer. <laughs> Fluffier. Yeah, it had a perpetual fucking stunned look on its face. Just like, <laughs> oh, very dizzy. Very dizzy. Uh, we. We put it down and immediately started licking the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I went wrong. A man with a big beard held me. But it was great. And we have a fun game lined up where they ha- where the, like teenagers have to have to pretend to be spying for MI6, but spying on the pigs. <laughs> Coming to ten forty two. Pig exit sty. Scribble that, that, that sort of thing. But but also like so it's Vauxhall City Farm. But like doing dead drops and looking through newspapers with holes cut out and stuff. <laughs> I, I I've never got to look through anything with holes cut out in it. 
I think that's more of an oversight on your part, really. Well, I guess I could do a paper, but what I really want to do is a painting, right? Yep. I mean, that's that's the dream. Uh, well, and you need somebody to look at it and to say, "Ah, oh, it's like their eyes follow you around the room." You need that. Yeah, you need to you need to stifle a laugh. <laughs> this is a role playing game podcast. It is. C- Christopher and I are games designers, and we've in fact just released a game called The Spire, which I'm sure you're aware of. But if you're not, please actually don't Google Spire RPG because you probably won't find it. <laughs> Um, please have a look at it. We're really proud of it. It's exciting, but um, we are—that's that's, that's our day job and our night job is Hearty Dice Friends, mm-hmm. where we take questions from you, the uh, the listeners, and also you, the non-listeners. I guess that's—I guess I can also refer to them as you, them. I suppose yeah. them, the non-listeners, the bad ones. We take questions from them, and we answer them, and maybe you can learn a little something. I think we've helped at least one and a half people throughout the 54 episodes of this podcast we've recorded. I'd go far as, as far as to say two. I believe wow. we've helped two whole people. Steady on. Mm. They've learnt. I'm going to leap right into this question. Please do. Multiple Maz writes, Is it ever a good idea to track ammunition? Uh, the answer to that is... Sometimes. I think there's different ways of tracking because it's fundamentally pretty fucking boring, right? Oh yeah. And so I get I get quite bored if it's like every round you're shooting an out also like it 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 takes kind of a it takes kind of a fun abstract idea of especially like if you're using something with like a clip with bullets in it. Uh and so like your your average um in inverted commas, firearm attack is probably like a full clip of ammunition. Yeah, you know, especially if you're doing something like if if, if you're if you're also doing covering fire, and so to have I have shot a bullet at you, kind of detracts from the uh, lost that the, one off the character sheet. Yes, from the free flowing method of the game. But I think there are some fun ways you can do it. I think that it's fun to have um, it's fun to have ammo abstracted. Uh, the Black Hat does a really good version of this, where you start off with a uh, with a D12 or a D20, and then you roll it, and if it shows a one or a two, then you downgrade it to the next side of dice, next size of dice, and that's, and that's uh, every time you use uh, an item, like like say a quiver full of arrows, and then if you ever get down to a D4 and roll a one or a two, you're out of arrows. That makes and sense. It just it gives you a really, it gives you a way of knowing roughly how many arrows are in there, um, without having to count all of them, but also without having to be like you're playing a super cool gunfighter professional operator and you have some bullets and if you <laughs> if you roll the one you didn't bring enough bullets oh i thought i brought enough bullets i would always bring enough bullets i'm literally a professional yeah i think the the difference comes at like a threshold like go on more than 10 ammunition i'm not tracking that mm-hmm. less than 10 ammunition i think that's worth tracking yes yeah, six bullets is brilliant Yes, if you've got six bullets and that's that's the game, like mm. like it's survival horror and you've just got six bullets, mm. that's really interesting to track the bullets and then each bullet means something. Mm. Whereas if you're tracking your 126 arrows, mm-hmm. that's pointless. It's it's a bit like tracking gold versus credit scores, right? Yeah, yeah, same it's sort like, of system. I, w- I I want to know if we're broke, or or or, or also like so it's, it's a bit like tracking hit points versus wounds. 
that sort of thing. Yeah. I like I I I want to know how this resolves itself as a story beat rather than I want to know precisely how many there are. And I think that's different in like survival horror games. If I've got five bullets, that's cool. And like yeah. um if if I've got one bullet, that's that's cool. If I've got one thing, I can do it. And, and like, at that point if I've got one bullet, that effectively becomes a daily spell. <laughs> yeah, as long as I, as long as I wake up with a bullet in my mouth every morning. Which is a different situation. Yeah, that's that's uh, some sort of hex. Mary goes on to ask, in an unrelated question, are giraffes the best or the worst? Please answer, bearing this in mind. And uh, they've just linked to a uh, picture of two giraffes neck fighting. Chris, you'll ever seen giraffes neck fighting? I have, since I've seen that gif. It's the most violent thing imaginable. They just whip their necks at each other. That one's slightly sped up, the gif. That, yes, uh, but they still Masa whip it. Us. Like, it's not... Slow. They go at it, and like I didn't, I didn't think giraffes would be so violent. I guess well, they've got they've got those little horn things on their heads, haven't they? They're not, they're not like the nubs. War, they're not war horns. No, but I assume that those are used in the whipping. Nah, it's, it all comes from the weight of the neck. You, like you see, like they they smash the side of their head against each other. Oh. I don't think I don't think those are like ramming horns. Then what are the horns for? Because they have them. I don't think anyone knows. Maybe it's just a holdover. That's, when they were shorter necked animals. Uh, <laughs> when they needed them. Yeah. I'm just, just going to real quick ask Google why do giraffes have horns? They're not horns. <gasps> They're called ossicones. Which are. <laughs> horns. They're horns. Oh, sorry, male giraffes use their horns to sometimes fight with other males. Yes! However, no two, indi- no two individual giraffes have exactly the same pattern. Oh, of spots, not like horns. <laughs> I, thought, I, thought, I thought they used the horns to identify themselves at borders and just, like, inverted their neck and put it in some ink and then dabbed it down. <laughs> Passport control with giraffes. Do giraffes have two hearts? Well, I want what? them to now. But I'd assume not. They have a small supercharged heart. I guess somebody's thinking that to get the blood all the way up the neck. Yeah, right, you'd think. How fascinating. Anyway, giraffe facts are not really what people came here for. No, but they are interesting and informative. And it's always nice to learn, isn't it? Um, I think giraffes, I don't think they're either the best or the worst thing. I think they're definitely not the worst thing. I'm glad they exist. I'm glad they exist far from me. I, I don't know. Like, I'm not super worried because it's not like it can get. Like, all I need to do is get indoors. I don't know. I, I just. What's it going to do? I, I don't want to be, you know, in bed having a little nap, mm. and suddenly there's this giraffe tongue licking at the window. I don't know. Could be like they've got kind of cool long tongues. I mean, they're, they're very rough tongues, aren't they? They're yeah. designed to deal with thorny spikes. I um. Do you reckon you could ride one and have that, like, like in, in a sort of monster hunter way? Could you get on its back and there's not much it could do? <laughs> I could whip its neck quite violently. Well, but I, but that, that would kill it if, if, if it managed to touch its back with its neck. <laughs> I don't Maybe know, that's man. how you win. You have, to, you have to lure it. It's a bit like, you know, you know how in every video game where there's, where there's a big dude and you have to get him to charge at you and then get stuck on a wall? Yep. It's like that when you're fighting giraffe, except you have to like upset them enough they try and stab you with their horns, breaking their own neck. Hide in the neck blind spot. 
the neck just comes off. Oh. Whips around <laughs> the courtyard. <laughs> like a skink's tail. Yeah. It's to ward off predators. And that's yours to keep. <laughs> that would probably put me off. I've always, I've always wanted to see, like, you know, in those halls of death that people have where they've mounted um, animal heads on the wall. Right, yeah. Like, a f- not just a giraffe head, but a full giraffe neck. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's at floor level and goes up to the ceiling. Much better, actually, Chris. It's at the same level, but it goes up through the through the floor <laughs> to, to the to, to the story above. Yeah, it, it, it just appears in the bathroom. It's like a towel rack, <laughs> staring at you while you're in the toilet. <laughs> so it's a uh, lo- it's a lovely mansion, Kenneth. But I will just call one issue with the bathrooms. It's a bit drafty. Yes, it is a bit drafty, Kenneth. You're right. It's probably from the hole which the giant fucking giraffe head is there. <laughs> Did you have to put eyes that swivel in it? Because that's unnerving. Also, I try. I tried to turn on the light. Turns out that was an elephant on the story above. <laughs> and occasionally, the sound box inside the giraffe just bellows. <laughs> Why did you do that? We've checked. That isn't the noise that giraffes make. It's just terrifying. I'm already shitting. I'm already shitting myself, Kenneth. Kenneth, it screams like a man. <laughs> Kenneth, is there a man in your giraffe? I need you all to leave my estate. <laughs> I grow tired of this conversation. Kenneth. Kenneth, I've called the police. <laughs> all right. My secret's out. Get in the giraffe. <laughs> all of you. You can all fit. I know you can. <laughs> Kenneth waving a revolver into the neck hole. <laughs> Don't dally, boys. <laughs> the, the police come three days later and open it up and it's like a Pez dispenser, but for people... <laughs> Just really lumpy giraffe. <laughs> I don't know what the problem is, officer. <laughs> it's a bit like that, that Roald Dahl story where the woman kills her husband with a frozen leg of lamb and then serves it to the police officers. <laughs> except, except, uh, except the police come around three days later and Kenneth's like giraffe neck <laughs> and slicing them off a nice bit into a sandwich. <laughs> Are these endangered? Shit! Shit! Another crime. Boys into the giraffe. <laughs> Waves a revolver. <laughs> uh, let's move on. Yeah, let's. Ask me a question. I will. Mm. Charlie X asks, what gets you the most stoked for a new campaign? I like it when I get the core idea down. When, yeah. when like, um, and it's not, it's not so, when I say I, when we get the core idea down. So often, like, I'll, especially with something like D&D, which has, like, it's expected there's an established setting, I'll come to the game with some ideas. But what I like to do is, my traditional method of getting a campaign set up is we all sit down, we get some food in, we have a couple of drinks, and we start talking about characters and what people are interested in playing. And someone's like, I want to play a barbarian. Okay, cool, alright, it's cool. I want to play a cleric. Oh, well, okay. How did you, how do your barbarian and your cleric intersect? Where are they from? And then from that we start building the world and we start building what the problems are. Yeah. And what the players can solve. And shit, the last time I did this it was in New York actually. I did I did a thirteenth <laughs> age campaign a couple of years ago. And since then I've been testing my own games really. But it's it's uh, well actually Unbound does this as well. But it's I really like I think after I finish session zero and I know what the potential stories are, and I know what, what like, all, all the cool characters are, and all the all the plot lines. That's great. And then, unfortunately, I have to run the fucking thing. 
<laughs> which is never great. It's never Always as good as you want them. it to be. No, it's never quite what you have in your head. But that's that's no. kind of part of it, isn't it? It's... That's the thing. Like, it's, it's better and it's different from what I have in my head. And if, if I just try to make it what's in my head, then that's not going to work because this is an improvised collaborative storytelling game. Yeah, I think that's the thing that gets me most excited for a new campaign is... What's that? What the players are going to do. It's nice hearing what their characters are going to be. Yeah, like, you've got this basic setup, which, mm. admittedly, as you say, most often is collaborative. Mm. But then, like, what are they going to do with that? Mm. Where's that going to go? And it's always somewhere nobody, none of you expect. Yeah. And it's just a spur-of-the-moment thing or a throwaway line by one person suddenly becomes the campaign. Yeah, for sure. And it's that kind, that kind of turn point that really like, gets when me. you when you build momentum. Yeah, and like and, and like you can you can feel it. It's a bit like when you're making um when you're making dough, you're making bread, and you mix together the dough, and it goes from being flour and, and liquid into oh this is dough now. Yes, this is a it thing has, that sticks together. Yeah, and like you can't quite remember the 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 bit where it happened, but now it's happening and it's great and it has cohesion. That's always super exciting. It is fantastic. And also, I mean, there's there's that moment when, right at the beginning, when, you, when you're having your first think, before even the players get there, like, what sort of thing <laughs> am I going to do? Mm. When you first go, ah, what if? What if? And then you bang some things down on, on your keyboard. Yeah. Um, and that, that moment where, you, where you've got, like, a, only a paragraph yeah. of what if it was this? Yeah. And you see the kind of, the vistas opening. Yeah. I always find that really exciting. I I also quite like um, one of my one of my favourite tricks for session zero is to draw a map, but with the players there. Yeah. So like um, you work out where the players are from, and then put an X in the middle of the in the middle of a bit of paper, and go it's like here you are here, and then you start sketching on the other bits. And the trick I found is to never use it's never try and make up fantasy names for anything because <laughs> they always sound daft. Yep. But um, we like so we we had a game set in fantasy. It was Fantasy Transylvania, right? Uh, near Fantasy Spain. I will say, by the third session, it does start to wear a little bit. Because, really? Well, it's the thing. Like I'm absolutely fine, but it, like it, it lessens the uh, the power of your plot a little bit when the name of the country you're in is Fantasy Transylvania. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I guess that is an issue. So so you have to change it a little bit there. But and, and the last cam- the campaign I'm currently running, all the players met at Fantasy Burning Man. <laughs> just call it burning man well yeah um burning elf and burning dwarf burning dwarf that's better yeah um cheaper too yeah less less wood I probably they, burn they, they, for longer actually i think there's probably a lot of calories in uh in a dwarf well it's made out of wood isn't it like i don't think they get a really oh, big man okay. and set him on fire that makes some sense. Is I, that what you did in Burning Man? I guess it wasn't actually Burning Man when you went there. You just went it, to a desert and it was, the <laughs> it was the woods. It was the woods. I saw a man. <laughs> I burnt him. I played some rock music. <laughs> it was pretty good evening. Do you know what Burning Man is, Chris? I'm broadly aware of it. Yes. Okay. Cool. I kind of like to go, but I don't think I'm that grimy as a person. No. Because. I, think, I see people there, and either they're very rich, or they look very dirty. <laughs> very dirty. Very dirty. And like, I totally get that you like you, they, they they are going to a place where there is dust and nothing else. Yeah. And so you're going to get very dirty. I just don't think I'm set up for it. You know? No. I quite like I quite like a shower, and a bed, 
and my cap, who I could not take to the player. And, it, and it to not player? be 600 not degrees. Yeah, I think I'd die. Yeah. And I, I assume it gets I... fairly cold at night as well. That would be the other time how I'd die. <laughs> Skilled medical professionals and a cleric would bring me back to life and I'd just stagger out in my pants. <laughs> Instantly freezing to death. Sorry, sorry, do any of you gentlemen have any more drugs? I think that's how it goes, isn't it? That's just the only thing people say to each other. Well, like, there's there's cops. Which is the weird thing. That is odd. There's cops. And, like, so it's not quite as open, as openly druggy as I thought it was. No. But but also they have like a fight dome. <laughs> a thunderdome, if you will. Well they have yeah, they have a thunderdome which you go into and brawl in the desert, quite far away from hospitals, one must presume. I don't know, that sounds kinda of fun. What like So so like the whole sort of peace and love and creativity and drug taking thing didn't lure you in, but the chance to knock another man unconscious in the dust <laughs> while while the crowd hang on to the dome above you and scream, that that pulls you in. That lures me in somehow. I think I'd lose. I'm very sure look, I'd lose. I think you'd look good going down. Yeah, but like, I, like you'd kick up a big, a big crowd of dust, cloud of dust. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah. Have a David and Goliath thing going on. I'd like to run a game at a big festival like that. It would I work. Remember, I think there's um, there's a couple of Call of Cthulhu scenarios at Burning Man. That'd be definitely right. That would totally work. Yeah. I think that's, and, and 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 also like that's that that sort of that sort of freewheeling like yeah let's let's go and do this together. Yeah, it is is like encourages like RPG troop play in a way that most <laughs> normal situations don't. <laughs> Just kind of got the image of you going to Burning Man to play RPGs. <laughs> Turning in the middle of the, the desert, just holding down the dice when the wind kicks up. Turning up with my with, with my pocket protector and my DM screen. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> Pushing your broken glasses up your nose. Um, I um. I'm, I'm I'm on an RPG group on Facebook, and this and, and this guy was like, "I'm interested in I'm, I'm interested in in running an RPG at a rave. Does anyone have any input?" And the reason why that I was alert to this, because someone said, "Talk to Grunt." <laughs> Grunt, Grunt writes the sort of high caliber bullshit that you're after, and so uh, it turns out like. And like, and so I was chatting to him. I, I, I was like, "Look, here, like, here are some of my games that are fun, but honestly, I don't think it's a great idea to try and run an RPG at a rave because they're very loud and no one's really focusing on anything." Yeah. And he was like, "Oh, I want to run it at this at this month's Bang Face Weekender." Bang Face Weekender. Yeah. Bang Face is so like I, I used to go out raving in um, in London a little bit. I used to go to um, fairly like. I went to a fetish one, which was kind of fun because there was a lot of nerds from the fetish community, and I went to a really lovely, cuddly one where they had like big Jenga and Lego tables and cups of tea and butterflies on the oh. walls and stuff like that. And it was really lovely and cuddly and like and like and like you know like free love, dude, and um, peace signs and shit. And that was really lovely. Bang face. Um, the symbol of it is a big man's face. Um, I can't. This is an audio medium, but I want you to imagine what his face looks like. <laughs> Have you got that? Yep. Double that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it takes place basically in, in like a butlands where they just play hard trance for two days straight. Good lord. And this guy's like, yeah, I want to run Honey Heist. Mate, you want to have a nap? That's what you want. You want to drink wanna... eight litres of water a day is what you want to do. You want a nap and a sandwich until tonight, okay? Sit down. Get, get in the chill out hutch. <laughs> But I really like. I like the um, so some friends of mine as well. They do uh, so. Rumpus is a sort of um, 
it's 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 a party. It's a big party. It's like it's been described as like Burning Man, but in London. Right. Um, and honestly, it's not really my scene. It's full of it's it's full of a lot of people in moustaches. No. Oh. Um, which is not really my 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 cup of tea. But I've got I've got a friend who runs who runs live games there, and she's a. Uh, She's pulled in a, a whole MA class to um to assist like an MA game design class uh, class to assist her. Oh, that's wonderful! In, in making a dragon's den at effectively a rave, and like they uh, they got they got big silver exclamation marks to put above their heads and went around handing out quests, <laughs> which is charming. So like this has been this has been quite quite an aside. It but has, we, but it's been I'm, role playing adjacent. Well, so I'm interested in, in in like where we can where we can look at, to play role playing games and have playful experiences. Where we don't normally have that, yeah, because of course the traditional thing is around a table, mm. in somebody's house or a pub or even online now, mm. and having those gaming experiences, as you say, at a rave, yeah, like change changes not only the the atmosphere but the dynamic, yeah, for sure, because and you like... you can't play you know Han World <laughs> in the middle of a rave because you just can't reference the textbooks. Didn't strike me as a coward, Christopher. <laughs> you know what? I think that is a hill I won't die on. I'm going to get Hardworld projected onto the big screen. <laughs> with with proper old acetates and an overhead. <laughs> <laughs> Put your hands up for the critical hit table! Woo! Woo! Yeah! <laughs> I, 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 it'd be fun. I'm going to ask you a question. Ask me a question. Do you want to come to a rave with me and play Hardworld? <laughs> I want to try. I want to not indulge in the rave in any way, shape, or form, and just be really sour. Just like, like bring a whole group of people with you, because like you can bring bags, you can bring bags in, like they check the bags, but they're not going to be like, sorry, mate, this is is this a role playing game? You take them and you just sit, you sit on the edge of the bar and try and play a normal game of Hardworld. Yeah, just really serious, straight laced. Or in like the chill out zone, because I mean it's, it's generally about about ten fifteen quid to get in. You can sit down in the chill out zone and just dominate the area. As long as you keep buying drinks, you should be fine. Yeah, sounds yeah. great. All right, now you ask me a question. That's next weekend. <laughs> that is not next weekend. We've got a holiday to go on. Oh yes, we should say actually, um, Chris and I, we're gonna. I'm just gonna turn my chair around a sec. Cause I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna keep it real, okay? You're gonna wrap the kids. Ah. <sighs> <sighs> That has to be painful. I know what sort of chair you've got. Oh, I've got quite a big computer chair. <laughs> I put my arms through the holes. That's that's gross. Oh, Chris, I think I'm stuck. Okay, well, rewind what you just did. Okay. It's going to be agony, but. <laughs> oh, my headphones fell out. We're okay. Nobody fell over. Nobody died. Balls. <laughs> okay. We're never going to get rap, serious. Never we're going to get serious. Again. Yeah, I'm going to no, get serious here, kids, but not so serious I turn the chair around again. That was a bad idea. Yeah. Oh, God. Chris and I are game designers, but apparently we're also human. I wasn't aware of this. I, I was Chris shocked. And I, yeah, I thought Chris and I were just sort of happy-go-lucky game bots. Actually, Chris is a robot. I'm more like a toad. Game Otron. Yeah, yeah. Or like, I'm more like something you find in a forest that writes games and needs a haircut. Yeah. And we are, we are suffering from what is colloquially known as burnout. 
Mm. We have we have written too much. We have done too much. Our creative our creative juices are running clear. That's that's not quite. We are right. cooked and ready for Sunday roast. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to take a couple of weeks off, which means that we're going to take a couple of weeks off doing the podcast. Which I'm hoping we can get something. Reco- I hope we can get something recorded and put it in its place. Uh, it, it probably won't be a normal episode, but that'll be like so. For the last two weeks of March, we won't be around, uh, and where we are, we're expressly not going to be answering our emails and stuff like that. Yes, yeah, so we're having an actual holiday, which we've not really done. No, Chris and I don't really do holidays very well. No, we tend and to go so, on holiday and then do work. Yes. And I imagine that will also happen here, and that's fine. We're not going on holiday expressly to do work, yeah. But we're we're, we're going to go on holiday, uh, and Chris and I are going to go and spend a week with each other in in the Kentish countryside, in the depths of Kent, next to some goats. Yeah, there's goats there, which is the main reason why I booked the place. But um, we are going to we're going to be off. Um, so our apologies for not being around, but please enjoy our back catalogue of shows. Why not listen to you? Why not listen to your favourite one a third time? <laughs> why not why not recommend the episode to your friends that would be good that would be lovely but yes we're suffering from burnout which is a bit weird because I didn't think that we could do that I kind of want to have a chat about that because I I thought that my brain my brain's creativity was something which just happened like like I was a tap that had been left on to sort of limitless potential yeah and like limitless but not especially valuable you know like rocks are yeah they're just about yeah, they're just about, and it's like, and like the craft for me was 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 picking the one of the two hundred ideas I had that was good, the biggest, shiniest rock. Yeah, and focusing down on that, and as it turns out, didn't quite that wasn't quite true. I am human. I'm, I'm getting a bit older these days. I think that might be. I mean, we all are. It's physically impossible to do anything else, and maybe I'm. Maybe I just need to take things a little bit slowly sometimes. Get the old get the old Zimmer frame out and. Rest the laurels, etc. Hobble, hobble around Ken. So yes, if you um, if you have any ideas for how the fuck to get over burnout, I'm interested in in, in talking to you, listener, about that because yeah. because I don't know, I'm not sure. <laughs> anyway, question. Yes. Is it my turn or your turn? I think it's your turn. I think because you asked me about a rave. Yeah. Which I'm not counting as a legitimate HDF question. Oh. Oh. Fine. Drain PR says, this is from Reddit, how to prevent my brain from frying while I'm GMing a session. So I have a real problem with this. Mm. Um, I have to run shorter games. Yeah, you run like an hour and a half, two hour sessions, don't you? I, I do at the moment, um, but especially on days when I feel worse. Um, I mm. should explain, I suffer from depression and ME. Mm. So I have chronic fatigue syndrome on top of this. Um <laughs> So we long are periods, always lucky that Chris is awake. Yeah, so long periods of sustained energy expenditure. Like engagement. Yeah, engagement is genuinely difficult. Mm. Um, so trying to prevent my brain from frying is like a key part of every game I try and run. Mm. What have you discovered? The key is to lump as much of the work as possible onto your players. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can get them... If you're having a bit of a moment and need to think, you can get them <laughs> arguing between themselves real quick. Mm, yeah, and so, like, but like, not arguing in a sort of backstabbing way. No, or in a sort of what's the best way to do this sort of way. Yeah, a couple of choice lines here, choice lines there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
Oh, suddenly they're talking about a, a plot to overthrow governments. Yeah, why not? Brilliant. Yeah. I think as well, also, like, having a... Having a set time. So, like, like meetings in in um, in business. In the real we, world. In the real world. We, we have meetings once a week. We do. And we technically have meetings every day. Yeah. But we have meeting with... Uh, with with our business partner Mary once a week, and we have we all have a chat about about how things are going, and I think an important thing with meetings is to say this meeting is going to happen between this time and this time, because at that point at that point you know that like well if it's between two and three I'm I know that I've got to enjoy this for an hour, and that's how much time I've got to cover this, and hopefully hopefully it won't run long, and if it does that's a bad thing. Yeah. And of course, meetings do run long, etc. But the, but you, you at least you're starting out with that. And I think you can do a very similar thing with the game because generally games run from after dinner until everyone gets a bit sleepy, <laughs> or too that's, drunk to play, or too drunk to play. That's, that's 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 your standard. That's your standard mechanic. And I think having it as like okay, so we're going to meet at three, and then at half, uh, or maybe like at, at four p.m. I'm going to check in with everyone. I'm going to like we're going to see what energy levels are like. We're going to see how, we're going to see how things are going, and then at five and then uh, at five p.m. we're going to stop. Yeah, and I think that that could be that could be a very useful way of keeping yourself engaged and and, and realizing like oh I've I've got this much time to fill. I've got I've got to devote this much energy to it. Yeah, I and mean, when what I do is I one of the things I I like to do is I try and game in the day when possible. Oh, why's that? Um, because I don't need the threat of sleep. <laughs> Pushing in on top of that, you know. Yeah, actually, you and I have G- have co-GM'd a game, um, which started at seven PM, mm. and um, it was very difficult to get you to say things. Yeah, well, I mean, it depends on again. It depends on how well I'm doing in a certain day. Yeah, but and, uh, if uh, I've no, got no, the uh, threat of sleep on top of that, I, I love the phrase "the threat of sleep." That sounds like a Jonathan Franzen novel. <laughs> <laughs> I hate sleep. It's awful. Oh, it's okay. Oh, no, it gets in the way of doing stuff. What the hell are you doing anyway? Absolutely nothing, but it gets in yeah. the way of that. I think, I think that, I think, I, I think sleep and eating. I love them. I love eating. Yeah. Like I don't get this whole sort of Huel slim, slim fast um, liquid food deal. No, which I did. Optimized, optimized food. I was like, it's boring. It tastes very nice. Yeah. It's just, it's just you know, it's nutrient paste. And it seems weird that nutrient paste should be a expensive and b a luxury. Yeah. Like surely, I think nutrient paste should be handed out by the state, if anything. Yeah, you know. But you get these, you get these bottles. Oh, was it Soylent? I, I, I made, a, I made a vodka Soylent cocktail. It was rum Soylent. I made a cocktail, and it tasted like chewing an old pillow. It was not nice. Oh, yeah, it's just sort of kind of vaguely oaty. You're and... very much relying on the rum there, aren't you? Oh yeah, you're very much so. And it's just not very nice. And eating is such a wonderful. And like, I can see why they're doing it. And like, like, and like, it's come out of this Silicon Valley tech bro idea that, listen, you're too busy to cook. Also, you don't know how to cook because no one's ever taught you. So rather than spend money learning and doing that, rely on professionals to cook food. So it's really nice when you eat it because you have money to do so. And for the rest of the time, simply effectively push batteries up your ass. <laughs> plug them in. Plug them. Just, just plug a couple of triple A's up and oh, double A's up there. No, be kind. Yeah, you know, I, I reckon I could get it anyway. And sleep is a similar thing to that. It's kind of a basic bodily need, but because it's a basic bodily need, we quite we're programmed to quite like doing it. Mm. But I think it would be nice if I could just stop sometimes. And, yeah. and, and, and like and like, cause like, oh, you know what? Don't have time for lunch today. 
I'm just not, I'm not going to bother with lunch today. Rather than, I don't have time for lunch today, I'm not going to bother with lunch today. And then getting increasingly angry and sad <laughs> until dinner. At which point you're finally fulfilled. So much of my fucking life, so much of my depression, I will say. So I'm on, I'm on uh, Vendor Vaccine for depression. And it's doing a really good job of taking the edge off it. It really lets me handle and get and, 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 do, and do stuff about my day. But I think most of the breakdowns I've had over the last year or so have been because I needed a sandwich. Yeah. I just feel like such a useless electric bag of meat. I mean, that's, I that. That, that, that's it, isn't it? It's that human just, um, f- operating system. Yeah. A fallible, broken machine. Yeah. Um, what was the question? Yes, brain from frying. Yeah, how to prevent my brain from frying while I'm GMing a session. I think also, not smoking marijuana. Don't do that. That will I'm, just throw you. My GMing's never gone up after I smoke marijuana. And yet. And yet. Oh, no, I, I, I don't smoke when I GM. I don't smoke the ganja when I'm GMing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't. Not anymore. Okay. There was there was this time when um I was I I was I was in Australia and I, I, I skinned up before the end of the campaign and we and we'd describing I think like it was someone swimming um down to a crash shipwreck to get something out and there was some sort of horrendous eel. Ugh. Like I think it was a horrendous eel like made out of corpses or something. Oh, like I hate down eels. There. Eels are disgusting They're creatures. Rotten. Uh they are gross, aren't they? They they should be stopped. Mm. I think everyone can agree on this. Fuck eels. Fuck them. But I started describing this horrendous, like, necrotic eel. Oh, I really upset myself. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got too into it. <laughs> oh. I, I managed to scare myself with the description of the necrotic eel I came up with and had to basically have a sit down and a, and a packet of crisps. <laughs> oh, bless. And so ever since that point, I was like, oh, I'd rather just, you know, stay in full control is a really generous description of my GMing style. Yes, but I don't. Uh, I don't smoke the reefer when I have to be in charge of a group anymore. But how do you prevent your brain from frying while you're GMing? Make, uh, make sure I eat beforehand. Get the fuel levels up. Get the fuel levels up. Um, make um, like snacks on the table is nice because we are fallible machines and we need we, we need fuel to work. I think as well the most important thing you, the most important thing you can do um, aside from making sure you've got enough food in you uh, as Chris was saying before is like is, is letting the players deal with things is trying to switch the focus as much as possible mm-hmm. so like so like as a GM your one of your main jobs is pacing and tone which games don't really talk about a great deal but in terms of pacing, if you could like, if if someone hasn't said anything in a while, switching the focus of the game to them and asking them what they're up to and trying to pull them in, and effectively you see yourself as almost like 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 you're a painter and you have this palette of characters and you can uh, you can dab these colours on on, on onto the onto the canvas and you should use as many of these as possible. That's that's what I learned as an artist: use as many colours as possible <laughs> <laughs> until everything's just a brown wet mess. But that, but role playing. Yeah, that but roleplay. Ask me a question. I will ask you a question. Thank you. Zenton asks... Hey, Zenton. Will digital media for gaming ever be popular enough that developers will start employing continuous deployment rather than additions? Well... I mean, D&D tried it, didn't they? I think there's a real issue with continuous deployment for RPGs over software. Why don't you tell us what continuous deployment is? Because I know what it is, 100%, but why don't you just describe what it is for the audience? Regular regular updates to the text, mm. um, or to the game. So if you're if you're playing a video game you, and you see like patch notes, 
we've changed the damage percentage of this attack yes. to this. Like and a we, like a living game. Yeah, like a living game. But I think the problem is that that requires everybody to constantly read patch notes, and they just won't. Mm, that, that is the thing. Um, Whereas full you, editions, you just buy the whole next version and read that. that. And you don't need to reference, oh, hang on a sec, is my weapon damage different now? Yeah, you don't need to update your character sheet every day, depending on yeah. how often they update. There's um, There was a... What the hell was the name? Tavern Tales was an RPG. Yeah. Which uh, had an unsuccessful Kickstarter after it funded, and then the author was like, oh, I actually can't do this. <laughs> so, so I mean, the site didn't work out, so he refunded everyone who asked. But he, uh, he like, that was originally set up as a wiki. And so he had the core rules down on there, and then he had character classes, or they were like, um, you, you plugged together different elements to build a character. So you had, like, um, barbarian and dragon and undead and uh, cleric, and you could choose powers from each of these. Right. To make something... Oh, it, was, it was a really nice idea, actually. Um, and that was done through a wiki, so the idea was that you, like there would be new materials released through the wiki, and it was free to access... And the idea was that you would continually have this game which built it, which which built and grew. Um, it wasn't quite perfect because I think a lot of people use books. Yeah, I I I quite like being able to um, separate myself from the digital world when I when I role play. There's also this issue with with wikis of you might miss a page. Oh, I. Um, if you don't click a link, mm. if you don't notice that this section is referencing another section etc. Also like it might go down or not work which isn't really possible with a book unless you drop it in a bath. Yeah but with a book if you read if you've read it front to back you have you have definitely assimilated 100% of the information. Yes or like or like you're aware of its existence you know where to yes. look for it etc. Yeah. Like it, it is a closed unit rather than an open unit and yeah. I think because games rely on at least one person understanding the entirety of the world that can be a huge problem, but I think it could be interesting to like think about how that would work. I could like I could see possibly something along the lines of because uh, like we were chatting last uh, last episode about how we want games to move forward and how we want people to. And I'm interested in seeing what we can do with um, mobile phones and tablets. Yeah, and so having yeah. a having a role playing game which is run through tablets and through mobile phones, and so that and so that would mean I have an axe and I just push the hit with axe button, and it just does it. And it does it, so it can change my axe damage as long as as long as it doesn't. Like I don't need to know that the axe damage has changed. Well, I, even then, I, I mean, I it could give yeah. you it could give you a flash up like this is the stuff from your character sheet that has changed. Yes, precisely, and it could just highlight highlight that in, in red or whatever. And that that would be a really interesting thing. It would be a way of like of like of, of dealing with typos better. Yeah, we'll say one thing. Our our spire book is riddled with inconsistencies, despite employing I think three editors. <laughs> yep. Don't know how many more we can employ now. <laughs> Don't know how how many people we can throw at this to make we all have the spelling fixed mistakes them, though, go. I'd like to find yeah, out. Yeah, yes, we have fixed them, but it was it was like it was a very long process, and we still didn't do it right. Painful. It's, it's, it's an interesting idea. I, I I really like the idea of having a a role play a, a a world which is which is orchestrated by this by the rules, and you just have axe on your character sheet and you push the axe button and then that attacks a, uh, a GM's character and all the heavy lifting is handled off screen because part of the challenge with RPG systems is dealing with that heavy lifting. 
part of the problem with RPG design is that sometimes the more complicated version is the better one. Go on. In that, for instance, let's say you're making a combat-based RPG mm-hmm. where you fight giant monsters. Yes. You can make that very simple and have hit monster. Yes. Or you can have any one of a billion Monster Hunter-style interactions with... Mm. Hit monster leg. Hit monster leg locations. Tie, tie up monster leg. Bother monster with bother specific type of monster with specific weapon. Yeah, resistances, certain mm. types of damage reduction, speed. breaking things, speed, terrain, all of this sort of things. And that would be Whether really or not interesting. You fall in love with and kiss the monster. Obviously, monster kissing. Yeah. But actually, playing that at the table would be horrific. Yeah. Just nightmarish. It would be it would be despicable. I think, but I, I, I believe it's GURPS, right? It's it would be worse than GURPS. Mm. I suppose GURPS with all the, GURPS with all the Monster Hunter uh, add-ons factored in. GURPS with every add-on. <laughs> yeah. Um, and hero system. Yeah, and if you yeah. did it through continuous deployment and uh, and as you say, this this app style gaming, mm. players don't have to see the calculations. No, I think like the challenge you might have. Though is that they need to understand what their what ramifications their actions might have. Yes, but you can you can still impl- you can imply those from a base yeah. level rather than say, look, this is the calculation. You yeah. can show it to them if they want to see it. Yeah, but they don't have to. You can have an in- uh, somebody who's brand new at the game just have a character sheet that's a picture of an axe. <laughs> like, there's nothing else on it. There is a picture of an axe. That's actually. That's actually kind of an interesting idea, in that you have a um, you have a role playing game, and the, and and the first thing you have is a picture of an axe, and you and you push axe to use axe, and then as you level up, it gets more complicated. Not just not just you become better at axe, but it's like oh, you've got a name. Yeah, and but um, oh, by le- description by level twenty, it shows you the full quadratic equation for how to calculate <laughs> your damage, and so you can go oh, if I change this variable, it'll actually yeah. get me more damage. And you, you can start complicating you can it that start way. Start min-maxing it from there. Yeah, and that's something you can only do in a continuous deployment environment mm. or a digital media environment, mm. and not in a pen and paper environment because fuck that. Yeah, for sure. Is that all of our questions? No, we have one more question. Ah, ask. Oh no, I'm asking you. Oh. No, I'm not. You asking me? I mean, you can ask me if you want. I to won't. Me. Please. Uh, okay. Thanks. Running a pulp game without racism by the Nilbog King. Yes, uh, listener Will brought this one to our attention from Reddit. Running a pulp game without racism. Now. Nazis. Nazis. I, now that does sort of answer the question because it's not Germans, it's Nazis. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not Italians, it's fascists. Yeah. That covers it. However, there's a <laughs> Could lot Could you expound? More... Yes. Well, that covers part of it. But a huge trope in pulp is the mysterious East and the Dark Continent. And mm, natives. Seers, natives and seers from India. And going to... And hopping on a biplane to go to mysterious lands where they have misunderstood things. And they're all just people like you, mate. They've probably just got a bit less money. Just speak a different language. Yeah, you know, slightly darker skin, spicier food, but it doesn't, it doesn't quite scan. If you're like, if if you're looking not to exoticize other cultures, 
um, you're really going to run into problems. What I would recommend you do is you set it in space. And so rather than going to China, you go to Jupiter, where things are weirdly Chinese. <laughs> However, they're Jupiterians. Yes. Um, or, like, let's say, for example, you go to Mars, and Mars is full of green-skinned barbarians. Now, these are obviously very thinly veiled tropes for, col- for, for, for colonization narratives. But it lets you draw on ideas that you're interested in in, uh, in racism without necessarily... <laughs> <laughs> These topics of racism really do intrigue me. Yeah, I, I just, I just, I, I, wish, I wish I could cut out the bit where people judge me for it. Mm. You, know, you can, you can draw out the, the so like, the, like pulp has some good things going about it. The fact that it's, it's rough and ready. The fact that it has really big, brash language and quick stories, and like they're quite, they're not worried about highfalutin concepts. They're down and dirty, and they're generally stories about about these base emotions. And they're and like they're they're quite easy to tell from an improv idea, and like they're really loose around the application of reality yeah. and stuff. And that's really fun, and I like that. I think we can tell some great stories, especially because we're approaching this from an improv uh, uh, point of view, or a, or a, a a novice or non-professional storyteller point of view. And I think you can draw on things you're interested in, like say, like the idea of exploring an exotic culture. But then you set that on the crystal planet of crystals. <laughs> and you don't is, have to name any people or yeah, races. Which is basically 16th century France. That'd be and delightful, yeah, actually. Sorry? That'd be delightful. Well, parts of it. Yeah. <laughs> the nice bits would be delightful, yeah. Yes, especially if it was crystal. How about you? I think, honestly, I think you covered quite a bit of it there, because... Nazis in space. Nazis in space. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do run into these walls mm. when setting it in the in in real world, yeah. where you're like, uh, "Can I do this?" And the second you start asking that question, the answer is no. Seventh Sea took a took a stab at it by by changing the names of all the countries. Yeah, you've got Avalon instead of England and um, Bermany instead of Germany. Is it actually Bermany? No, it's not. It's something oh, else. Uh, that was Dr- really it's, I think I think I think it's it's it's, it's like Drakenval or something. Right. Uh, there's there's Castelia or Castel instead of Spain, um, Montagna instead of France. Yeah, I mean that that works to a degree. It's just when you, especially when you do I mean, it in it's, real world, it's, it's just France in a moustache. Though you're not fooling anyone. Don't <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we know what it is. <laughs> we see through your schemes. I think I think it's difficult. I think that. I think you can get away with a lot by having um, by not sort of going to these going to these exotic places and not having um, like examining your tropes um, and like um, what we what are the other issues that like they have is like uh, uh, running a running a historical game without racism running uh, running a historical game without um, sexism yeah and like it's really easy to run a historical game without sexism in you just pretend it didn't happen yes. Um, it's really just... difficult to run a historical game without racism. Yes, that is that is a shame. But like, I think I think like you can do. Um, we you can run Call of Cthulhu in the twenties and just say, yeah, you can play a black character if you want. It's not going to come up. It's not going to matter. And like, unless you're interested in exploring that, yeah, you're like be, if you're, you're going to be treated the same as anyone else. Yeah, if that's something that the game is is almost about. Mm. And you're actively exploring it and looking yeah. at it and seeing how you interact with that issue. Yeah, for sure. Then that's okay. But then at that point, that's not a pulp game, is it? No. 
No, yeah. that's definitely not pulp. That is that's, not in their genre. That's an exploration of race. And that, I think, is the last question. I think it is. In short, space! Space! What problems can't be solved by setting things in space? Breathing. Yeah, I suppose. I've got too much oxygen. <laughs> Have I got a cure for your ills? <laughs> I haven't frozen yet. The vacuum of space! <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Hearty Dice Friends. If you like what we did, you want to give us a bit of cash for doing so, we'd love that. You can go to patreon.com forward slash Hearty Dice Friends and give us some give us some cash per episode. That'd be really lovely of you. Uh, if not, you can follow us on, or, or as well, you can follow us at HDF Podcast on Twitter. You can send us an email to heartydicefriends at gmail.com if you've got a question. You can also go to our professional business web- website, called rowanrookanddeckard.com where we, we list all of the games we've written including Spire and all sorts of fun world building stuff as well uh, we love you we've uh, we've built snowmen in your back garden one of them looks like you one of them looks like you we've given you a luxury shovel you wake up you wake up at 3am next to a luxury shovel in your bed. You know it's luxury because it has a ribbon on it. You look out into your back garden and see seven snowmen. One of them looks like you. One of them only tells lies. One of them only tells the truth. And a fourth one contains us. Packed inside in our snowy tomb. Are we we dead? No. Okay, well then... If we stay there much longer, we will be. It's freezing. My God. Yeah, we're not wearing any clothes because we needed to try and get, like, compact. Yeah. We needed, so we, we, did, we needed the extra space. We didn't want to have any drag, um, which I closed. But so, so like we, we've gotten ourselves, we've gotten ourselves greased up with goose grease, and we are we have writhed together. And a, a, a an assistant who we shot so he would not spread the word uh, has built a snowman around us. So, so, so there are many snowmen and a corpse in your yes. garden. Yes, there is a corpse. We couldn't, we couldn't move the corpse because we're in a snowman. Anyway, listen. First off, bury that corpse. Then, free us. Then, let's build snowmen together. Wouldn't that be nice? Because we love you. Thank you for listening. We love you. Goodbye.